0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we're going to sit down and talk with Kansas's research, coaching, and performance team. And that's Assistant Athletic Director for Sport Performance, Coach Andrea Hoody, and Professor of Health, Sport, and Exercise Science, and the Director of the Jayhawk, Jay-Hawk Athletic Performance Lab, Dr. Andy Fry. And guys, when you're talking about Coach Hoody and Dr. Fry, we need to be talk about talking about collaborations and performance training. We're going to start talking with uh, with Coach and, and Dr. Fry about how the relationship was built and how they, you know, how they started working together and what they do, um, how they work together out there in Lawrence. We're going to get into where each other has helped push each other to be better, uh, which is really cool to me, uh, you know. And then we get into how the science quotes has really helped Hootie as a motivator for her student athletes. And I think that that's super awesome. And the examples that she gives are really cool. With that, we get into some studies that they've collaborated on. And if you know Coach Hootie at all, she's not a person to hold any punches. So not only does Hootie talk about stuff that they've found that was both positive, but she also talks about some things that she was like, "Yeah, it didn't work out," you know. And 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 that's Hootie, man. I I can't thank her enough for. For being open and honest as always, it's because it's really, really cool that someone at such a high level is so willing to share so openly about stuff that, quite frankly, she was like, yeah, it just didn't work. Um, and then we get into you know what each profession has done for each professional, meaning how the science side and the academia side has helped Coach Hootie, and how Coach Hootie and the coaching staff have helped Dr. Fry. And then we talk about some limitations in the relationship, which is really neat. You know, things that we might not think about, you know. And then we get into what's next and where they're going and and how this relationship with academia and athletics is going to evolve. Guys, this is something that a lot of us talk about, getting campus more involved, finding your resources. And listen, there's nobody better than Hootie at it. So I hope you guys take as much away from this as I did. Hootie has had an absolutely profound impact on my career, so sitting down and talking with her was, was absolutely awesome. I hope you guys enjoy this talk as much as I did. Let's get right to it. All right, Doc and Coach, thanks for being on with us today. If you guys could just introduce yourselves real quick so everybody out there watching and listening knows who we're talking with.
1: Sure. Thanks for having us. Um, Andrea Hootie, Assistant Athletic Director for Sports Performance at the University of Kansas.
2: And I'm uh, Andy Fry, I'm a professor in health sport and exercise sciences, and uh, uh, the two of us work together on the research and coaching performance team, Um, and then uh, I'm also uh, the director of the newly formed Jayhawk Athletic Performance Lab.
0: Which are the two reasons why we want to talk here? So (laughs) let's start with the first one, let's describe how this venture started. Where it's leading and 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 what you guys have kind of brought to yourselves from it
1: yeah, I think um you know I got hired here in o four I came from Connecticut uh where I'd worked closely with um you know um gosh Dr. Kramer and his people and um when I came out here, he said, "Hey, I think you need to look up Andy Fry. I think he just got there, something like that." Happened. I came in 07. 07. So I, I guess along the way, you know, Doc Fry said, "Hey," or Dr. Kramer said, "Dr. Fry's going to be there. You got to look him up." And I think the same happened for uh, him. But um, we were used to uh, a department that was led by Jerry Martin and uh, a research-based. Uh, coaching based uh, department that worked hand in hand with um, the sports sciences.
2: You know, and I, as I mentioned, I came in 07. My, I came here as a department chair and I've stepped down from that. But one of the things that I wanted to do as department chair was uh, see if we could create some kind of liaison with athletics because on, on a lot of college campuses, um, unfortunately, there's not good communication. Uh, across the two for a variety of reasons and it's not one side or the other side's fault it's uh, it's it's a whole myriad of things but um so I know uh shortly after I came here they kind of restructured uh where different uh strength uh coaches were housed on campus but I remember I guess coming over sometime Chris Dawson was here at the time and he was just heading out to the other side of campus shortly afterwards but um, mainly just to introduce and crack the door open. Uh, no specific project in mind. Uh, just letting people, you know, meeting people, finding out who, uh, who the players are, I guess, so to speak, and who had an interest. Because um, just because you have, you know, early on, I guess I learned this from, uh, from my mentor, Bill Kramer, um, as well. And he, um, you know, he said just because someone's got the credentials behind their name, uh, you need to meet them and find out where they're coming from. And, and are there some shared interests? And are you on the same wavelength? And, you know, that that's critical because um, nothing happens if that's not the case.
1: Yeah, and uh, I had been here then for two or three years and hadn't had that science um, relationship that I had at UConn and missed it and needed it. And it was perfect.
0: Well, and that's awesome, too, because it's something that, you know, like you were alluding to, Doc, that it's really absent in many locations, you know, where there's some sort of rift or some sort of you know, Obst- in, yeah individual agenda <laughs> that kind of keeps you know athletics away from academia or or vice versa. So let's talk about how this built. I mean, obviously, coach, you were in a unique specific, you know situation out there, working directly with Dr. Kramer, you know, in Connecticut. And then coming here, so let's talk about how the relationship was built, and then what projects got things rolling out there at KU?
1: Well, I think we had a solid foundation from the people that we knew, so, you know, uh, we had relationships built there, and I felt like, you know, everybody had positive things to say, so the foundation was there, and how we built it was just asking questions, and um, discovering information, and then having more questions, and... um you know, it is hard because uh, we're not in the same building, but it, it's a, it's something that we strive to work for between going buildings and um, offering different things to each other. But then in, what was it, 08, we started um, the Midwest Sport Performance Conference. And um, instead of going to conferences and hearing uh, different people speak, we wanted, uh, I think it's always good to have somebody come in and check out your facility and see how you run things. And uh, give us a bird's eye view on what they see and give us critical feedback on on how we run things and it, what they like, what they don't like, but then we brought people in that we wanted to hear speak and get feedback and it's just built from there.
2: It's very much an open door situation. You know, I've been at some places and I and I talked to colleagues that are in places where um, uh, there's no way someone in my position, could walk in the door to Coach Hootie's facility, uh, and, and that that's all, that happens a lot. And, and I understand why. In a lot of cases, I'd probably be doing the same thing, because. Uh, um, but it but it also has to work the other way, where I I have to have an open door for her and her staff to come over anytime we have a lab meeting. Uh, you know, some of her staff are taking courses with us. Uh, in fact, just before this podcast, I was meeting with with one of her assistants about a a little project, and and so whether it's over in our facility across the street, whether it's over here, um, what I think is really helpful is it's open door enough that, like, I can come and sit in on, on Coach Hootie's staff meetings, and it's not like I have a report, you know, I guess maybe once in a while I'll report on something, but, um, uh, and a lot of times I don't say a word, you know, but but I'm able to be there. It's not like, wow, we got this secret or, you know, we bench press uh, some secret way or anything. It's, uh, um, it gets ideas going in my head. Um, and and so the, it's the give and take. So it's not a thing where I'm over here to educate Coach Hootie and her staff. That's, uh, maybe that happens once in a while. But to be honest, more often than not, uh, she and her staff are educating me or my students or, or, or my colleagues. Uh, but it's got to be both ways. If, uh, if one side... Says well, and I've actually heard this at conferences where someone says we got to educate the coaches so they know what they're doing. And it's like, well, I'm not the one that can do that because most of my ideas come from come from Coach Hootie or, or her staff. And so I mean that educate that education that communication's got to be a two way street. I, I'll come up with ideas or things, and and uh, Coach here is more than happy to shoot them down, saying, "Well, that's great, Doc," but. Uh, that's not even practical, or hey, you know, this is reality here, and uh, um, and then other, you know, it can, the shoes can be reversed at some time, and it, so it's not a, you know, yeah, Yeah. You check your egos at the door.
0: Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So, piggybacking off that, what are some of your ideas that you've given to coach that you have followed through with, and then. Coach, what are some ideas that you've thrown at Doc to lead into some research ideas to get things moving? Because what we see more often than not in these communication realms is we're not all lucky enough to be Brian Mann where we can do the research and coach at the same time. So where, when, when you have thoughts, Doc, what are some that you have brought to the weight room that have been received well? And then, Coach, what are some thoughts that you've had or you've wanted to look at in the research end that have driven work in that department?
1: Well, I'll answer first if you don't mind. But, you know, as a coach, I feel like we do research, not formally running numbers, but we're constantly asking ourselves questions, especially with the feedback that we get from our technology. Um, I think as we ask questions as to uh, why this is happening or what's happening, that brings questions that then we can actually formalize and follow through with him. Because there's, again, um, we're always reflecting on what we're doing. And it, it's not always um, physically performance-based. Sometimes it's an emotionally-based question on, and stress and you know recovery. So I think that any question is a good question regarding um, how we can be better coaches or how we can coach our athletes better to teach them the whys and the whats and that they can take ownership on it.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, some of the ideas that, that came to my mind were uh, I'm not sure whose idea they were, whether they were going from uh, my side of the street or your side, coach, uh, but it doesn't really matter. Um, I do know we, uh, for a number of years, I think it started maybe in 08 or 09, we do uh, um, speed squat testing with a number of the athletes, and um, and that's become an annual uh, assessment. You know, it's it's on one level, it's very simple. You know, uh, the technology to begin with was using the Tendo, and um, we had several of them, and I'd bring my, I'd bring, uh, you know, literally about a dozen student helpers over, and and, uh, you know, the coach might give us, um, you know, the, the head sport coach might give us 30 or 45 minutes, I'll give you this time slot, whatever testing you're doing, get it done. And so, I mean, that's part of the real world scenario. We don't have all week to kind of chip away at it. And uh, and I know um, we've been able to track athletes over, over time and we've been able to track athletes. Um, we've been able to determine, uh, I, I believe, Coach Woody uses uh, some of that information to determine in-season training loads
1: and motivate. I mean, if we can, oh, yeah, if we can yeah. see how, you know, how much average power somebody can develop in a squat, and they're a lottery pick, then that just gives me motivation or, or, or a tool to motivate the athlete to say, "Hey, if you're not here, you know, you might not be able to reach the goal that you want." So, it, mm-hmm. it, and that's pretty cool that we can come in. He can come in as a researcher, provide a number. Mm-hmm. I use it as motivation to get the athlete where they want to go. That's pretty cool.
2: And you know, and one of the issues too is uh, just because we're testing something, is it meaningful information? Because there's plenty of places that test all day long, and then they throw it in the file, and it just sits there. And I, mean, I guess when they get fired, they throw it out or something. I don't know. But uh, one of the issues is: is it worth our time and effort to do this testing? Is it giving us any meaningful information? And so. Last times we we're able to go back to stuff that's already been collected and say, okay, uh, how does this relate to playing minutes? How does this relate to uh, uh, are you going to be playing professionally when you're done with your college career? And, and we're finding that uh, you know stuff that sometimes showing those relationships is easier said than done. And lo and behold, we've been pleasantly surprised that wow, some of these tests there there is something going on, which which uh, supports the kind of training that coach Hootie does. Or any of our staff do and uh and yeah this is worth uh measuring because there there is there appears to be some kind of relationship so validates training programs it uh validates the use of time to do this kind of testing uh or we could throw a test out man we're not this isn't really telling us anything that's really really helpful and well let's not waste our time doing it
1: i mean some of the some of the studies have been um, what uh uh, the jump mat, the validation oh, of the jump yeah. mat, um, uh, indicators of bat speed or contact, right?
2: Yeah, we've done some interesting things with, with the baseball team and uh, you know so on one hand as, as a baseball coach you know I want to know uh, the bat speed, I want to know the uh, batted ball velocity or sometimes I'll call it exit velocity, how fast that ball comes off the bat and uh, you know one school of thought is well that's that's all the realm of the baseball coach, the hitting coach. They'll take care of that. We don't need to mess with worrying about that in, in the strength and conditioning hall. But what we've seen is, well, there is a relationship between strength, and there is a relationship between certain types of strength. And those are things that Coach Hootie or, or her staff, uh, Coach Bradford, in, in the case here at, at Kansas, he can do some things that can – give the, those players the tools that then hopefully the hitting coach can then utilize. Just because you're strong doesn't mean you're a good batter, but we've got this group of athletes here, and if they have those skills, well, can we give them the physical traits that, that, can, uh, that can maybe increase that bat speed just a little bit? And, and that is related to uh, batting average, and that is related to slugging percentage, and then pretty soon uh, baseball coaches are on board. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Uh, one study that we did was with women's basketball, and it was to find their anaerobic threshold, and then train within six beats right uh, of their like that, anaerobic yeah. threshold for x amount of minutes a day to see if we can increase that through a six to eight week preseason, and um, we found it, and we found the numbers and. We set the limits on the heart rate monitor where uh, if it stopped beeping, you either needed to um, slow down or speed up. And it was pretty simple for our athletes to do. But I don't even know if we saw any significant change in that. And we were very deliberate. And so then, you know, so then what am I doing as a coach? Do I make changes to what we're doing and why we're doing things? Absolutely.
0: That's awesome. That you guys have this ability to do these things and obviously coach with the two spots that you've been in you've had an absolutely amazing advantage shall we call it with having these two sports scientists that are ready to work directly with you so let's start asking you how have these two helped drive your programming. And then, Doc, if you could follow, how has Coach Hootie influenced the direction that you guys are going with your research at KU? So my question is, how has Doc influenced my coaching? Well, both of the the two mentors, so you-
1: Well, you- I, I, I would say that, you know, why are you doing what you're doing, <laughs> period. <laughs> you know, you have to ask yourself that question on a daily basis, and why are you programming the exercises um, that, and, and what's that providing? Um, I think, you know, it simplifies a very complex um, goal of performance. And we, we find out really what are the nuts and bolts of a program and how to make a kid better and see results because we're a results driven organization, not a time one. I just I don't want to waste my own time let alone somebody else's. So what we're looking for, for me, is what's our minimal dosage of exercises that we can provide or exercise that we can provide to have maximum output. I mean, that's medicine to me in terms of prescribing, um, you know, if it was a, a medicine to somebody, a patient, uh, what's the minimum dosage I can provide to get them better? You know, and I, I look at exercises that it's really They've really um, shown me how sensitive um, my prescription and the ability for the athlete to receive it. Because if I can prescribe the wrong exercise and that person gets hurt, that's sensitivity to me. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I think that's a big thing, and it's just more questions. But how can we how can we get the best, most effective results in a minimal amount of time?
2: Yeah, you know. Um that's a, that's a really great question, and, and I talk. Uh, and my, my wife's also on the faculty here; her area is sports psychology, so we get we talk shop all the time. And and uh, and this is a, you know, one of the issues is uh, where do you fit in? Uh, in my job across the street, see, my job description doesn't say anything about coming over here and doing sports science. You know, if we stop tomorrow, I don't get a pay cut, Coach Hootie. Your boss is probably happy, you know, as long as you're winning, I guess, yeah. and that type of thing. But, um, but in, in the world of, and I'm going to say sports science, because sports science is not the same as exercise science, even though they get used interchangeably a lot. And there is a lot of overlap. Sports science, though, is what Coach Hootie's referring to. It's performance-based. And so at the end of the day, am I able to uh, improve performance uh, or set the stage for improving performance? Um, And so um, in this world of sport and exercise, which which I'm hired, my job is to do, there's this huge continuum. So on one side, you have very applied research, and on the other side, you have basic research. And one of my challenges, personally, is in in my job, we do some basic stuff. Uh, For example, we have some projects going on right now in the uh, Human Performance Lab that are looking at, we look at, you know, muscle samples and how they respond to exercise, we'll take a muscle biopsy, we'll look at specific proteins, how do they change and form, how did some of the enzymes change, all kinds of stuff, which is fascinating, but I can't bring those results over here and hand them to Coach Hootie and say, okay, uh, take this information and change the training program. It it doesn't relate very well. Maybe a generation from now, someone can use that information, but uh, Working over here keeps me on the applied end, and it keeps me grounded. And so my challenge is, you know, I'm not getting too watered down where I'm spending all my time at one end of the continuum or, or the other. But uh, working with Coach Hootie and her staff, to me, is real critical because it keeps me grounded. I may be thinking some ideas that are theoretical, and it's like, you know, and she or her staff are, are perfectly comfortable telling me, hey, that's fine, Doc, uh, but that's not going to. That's not a question we need right here, right now in our program. So, uh, coming over here, I find out what are the current training methods, what are the ideas, what are the what's the technology, what are the challenges, um, and okay, so where can we fit in doing very applied research that ho- hopefully at the end of the project there's a little tidbit of something that they can take from it, and uh, you know, and, it, and maybe it does have an impact. So that. That's what I find. That's why I love coming over here to the staff meetings, talking with the with the staff when we do our conferences. Um, you know, talking to people that we bring in, going to any coaches' conference or clinic. Um, that's what keeps me me grounded. I can go somewhere else and get all the physiology, but but it, I got to make sure that what we're doing is applied and,
1: and relevant. And he's a great resource for us too because he he is a coach, was a coach, and he was a competitive lifter. So. Um, that adds a lot. But I was a wrestler first. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think just having another set of eyes—not that he's coaching—but when we have questions regarding, um, you know, certain exercises or why, you know, um, a lot of his research was based on bands and um, chains before, and it's completely given me a whole different outlook on, you know, the use of bands and chains. <laughs>
0: Do you do any biopsies with your guys? No. Oh.
1: We wouldn't do it.
0: Yeah. I I was just sitting here thinking, trying to imagine my guys going in there and getting a muscle biopsy. And I almost, I almost started laughing (laughs) just thinking about it. You know, we,
2: we have had, you know, as you can imagine over the course of the years, we, we have various projects. We are publicizing recruiting for subjects and we will get student athletes that, um, they say, yeah, I'll do this, and it's like, uh, hold it, hold it. Uh, or here's an even better example. In our lab, we do overtraining research. Uh, not all the time, but a lot of the time we'll do that, mm-hmm. which means we are doing lousy training programs. I mean, we're trying to do the exact opposite of what you and what Coach Hooty does. We're trying to create programs that are like, this is over the top. And I've had student athletes say, yeah, I'll do this. And it's like, are are you kidding me? The coach would be coming after me with a shotgun. (laughs) Uh, And plus, it'd be the absolute worst thing. You know, it it interferes. So that's one of the things uh, beyond the muscle biopsy question. um, Sometimes we'll talk about ideas. and uh, But one of the overarching things is uh, it can't interfere with the training of the student athlete. So if this is something that interferes... Uh, everyone's got to be on board because uh, the main thing over here is uh, sport performance. Okay. And It's not the main thing. Is not research.
1: But one of the studies that we did involved testosterone and cortisol ratios, and that was over how many weeks? Twenty. Uh, Thirty. Thirty weeks.
2: A whole whole training year from uh, from before the preseason
0: to uh, after NCAA tournament. Yeah, when, you cited that at Juniata one year.
1: Yeah, our old uh, graduate assistant, you know, she was in charge of collecting the spit swab, which didn't take much effort on anybody's part. It was just it, it redundant, um, but it gave us useful information with how people deal with stress.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. 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 That's awesome.
1: And it's not just physical stress. It's psychological stress, too.
2: You know, so that's a good example where, uh, you know, if we had to come in and, and draw blood, uh, was that was never going to happen, and plus the timing and the you know you can even uh even the squads that are only maybe fifteen people uh that still takes time to do that in fact uh this afternoon we 're doing some salivary uh uh markers of, of stress hormones uh, only it 's with kids well we 're not going to be doing blood draws with middle school age kids um, but we can do saliv- salivary stuff so is it the first choice, no. Is it a good second choice? Yes, uh, but then the, the ultimate question is: Is this giving us? Is it worth the time and effort? Is it uh, even as simple as getting a salivary sample? Is it still uh, was challenging collecting because you know schedules change and people are in town, they're out of town, they're you know whatever. And uh, so, is it is it worth doing? So that's something that we always keep try to keep track of.
0: and it's obviously your time invested and what you're going to get out of it is extremely important so coach let me ask you this because listening to all of this to me I think this is absolutely amazing how do you get your sport coaches to buy in when it comes to the scientific side of it Well, we make it
1: about performance of course every coach wants their athletes to perform better at a higher level um, and these it's what we want Um, uh, I mean, we have a good relationship with our coaches and, uh, again, it's an open door. Anything can be discussed. Um, and we want it to be open and honest. And if they don't like what we're doing, we want to hear it. If, you know, we have an issue with them, maybe, you know, we can share that, but you got to be careful how you share the information for sure. Um, I don't know. I I feel like our coaches trust what we're doing and, um, we do get results
0: and that speaks volumes. So what have you found then that has assisted, if anything, uh, things outside the weight room? The, The reason I ask is because that, that cortisol study is what turned me on. When you started talking about that is what turned me on to looking at stress markers and finding ways that we could do that with our athletes here and getting me involved with Omega Wave and and digging into that. So what other things have you guys done that has had influence outside the weight room but not just from the stuff that you do in the weight room? Do do you know what I mean by that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the technology that we have, we have the force plates that, you know, uh, measure ground reaction forces and we have elite form that we can get um, speed and or power from. Um, I would say that that's one of the reasons, and people might hate me for saying this, but that's one of the reasons why, and again, we're doing the work with Dr. Fry with the heart rate monitor training. If you're loading an athlete, or if an athlete is loading themselves wrong by how they run, how they jump, how they recruit and sequence from the ground up, um, what are we measuring then? Uh, uh, not quality loading for the athlete? so you're actually measuring something that isn't good anyway. So uh, if I'm measuring heart rate or whatever, the load uh, with a lot of the GPS stuff, I want them to load properly for the sequence, uh, properly for the position that they're playing. So I have a direct impact. I try to have a direct impact on how that athlete is recruiting, where they um, you know, in, in what, what am I preventing injury? Uh, by how we are training and what we're doing with the feedback that we're getting through sequencing on the force plates and the power output on the on the uh, elite form. So am I correcting it or am I uh, increasing that performance? Again, if I go out and I don't correct it and they're loading proper, improperly by how they uh, run or how they jump stop, like – it doesn't help me do my job, you know. Mm-hmm. All I'm measuring then or watching is how much somebody does something wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is something that I can have a direct impact on what I prescribe for the athlete based on the information that we're getting in the weight room versus, you know, how hard somebody's working at practice. But, okay. but what if I'm creating a more efficient athlete and it appears as though they're not working as hard as everybody else, you know. So, you got to know what you're looking at.
0: No doubt. No doubt. So, then let's let this be the last question because I know you two are super busy right now. What's next?
1: Uh, I would say right now, our graduate student, Ali Kirshner, is um, kind of our liaison with Doc Fry Now. What next? We're looking at possibly. I think, you know, there's a lot of things that we talk about, Um, muscle stiffness. Um, We're still trying, yesterday we were talking about, okay, well, what's the opposite of muscle stiffness? Is it elasticity? Is it compliance? Is it tension load? Right now we're working with elite form possibly with creating, okay, well, let's do the opposite of power. And can you measure a range of motion with a load and call it a tension load number to see really improvements of range of motion and how much somebody lifts, let's say overhead squat over time, you know, because if my six, eight athlete does an overhead squat and they're only covering three feet, like the next year, they're covering four feet with a higher load, you know? So now we're getting a tension load number, which is just the opposite of a power output. And are they having control through a range of motion? Um, Allie's looking at maybe a practical way to measure possibly muscle stiffness and resonance frequency. And uh, it's just, it's a rabbit hole, you know. <laughs> it's, it's good stuff, but it's a rabbit hole. Of, and then Luke this morning presented on the neuroscience of um, really, you know, not just looking at the physical markers and how to push somebody and for us to be a better coach, but everything's almost emotionally driven. So how can we be better emotional communicators with our athletes to get them do, to do what we need them to do without them going, oh, this isn't worth it, or why am I doing this, or what am I doing? So we're trying to look at positive you know, feedback markers to give them, or what's the critical time and exercise that we can give them critical feedback that they continue to do what they're doing with a good attitude.
2: So this is why I come over here.
1: Because these are ideas that I'll
2: never get out of a textbook. I'll never get out of any class that I teach or that I I can take. But this is is real world. This is being out in the field. So on one hand, uh, from a research setting, anyone who's taken an introduction to research class, uh, you know, they talk about field research versus laboratory research. Well, this is field research. There are some challenges and limitations. And you know, just hearing what what Coach Hootie was just saying, there's already a long list of of challenges and limitations. Well, you got to deal with it, and you know, so that's one of the things too that whenever we come up with a project, uh, lots of times it's not real real clean design. You know, the uh, salivary cortisol and and you know the salivary hormone study. Um, no, was it perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, was about as good as I think you could get in a real world world setting. Absolutely. And uh, um, you know, so it uh, uh, this is what this is uh, uh, why it's good because there's always so many ideas. The problem is our list of ideas is this long, and this is the list of things that we can actually really address. And so, in in answer to your original question here, you know, what's next? If if I had my druthers, uh, there's so many possible questions, so many possible projects that it's it's mind-boggling. You know, I, would, I would spend all my time doing that. You know you know, and I love my job, but you know, you spend time teaching, I have to do uh, you know direct the labs over in my department, I serve on various committees and so forth. Uh, if you were in a situation where um, this is what you did was a sports science, very much like uh, the Olympic Training Center. They have a sports science and Technology division. They are there for the coaches. And also in response to one of your earlier questions, not every coach and not every sport jumps on board. You know, and it's like, uh, you know, the reality is if they all did, there aren't enough hours in the day. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. Are, are there some opportunities that get missed out on? Absolutely. But, um, you know, so you you go, the people that are interested and are on board, all right, let's run. And if not, it's fine. I'm not going to shove it down your, your throat. I can't. Um, and you only want to work with people that are interested. you only want people on your team that want to be there, you know and
1: uh, so. you know that too yeah I look at my board and we 're talking about last week in our staff uh, meeting where okay well, what are the expectations of the athletes, but also then what do the athletes expect from us, and how do they learn best because everybody 's coming from a different environment, and everybody has different emotions attached to different actions so how can we coach best or get kids to understand what we're trying to say to them? Because your best teachers get to the masses, you know, not just to the good kids, not just the ones that, hey, they're the best athlete. Our, our, our message, hopefully, is to all of them and making them all better. So, you know, then we talk about visions and missions and making sure everybody's on the same page, because like you said, we don't want people here that don't want to be here. You know, even that for the athlete. Because if the athlete's not engaging, then you know what? You don't need to be here. You know, but that might happen once or twice. But, you know, and then they're like, well, what do you mean I don't need to be here?
0: Oh, man, if you're not getting any
1: better, then you're making, you're, you're,
0: you're either energy
1: giver or energy sucker, you know? Fountain
0: so, or drain, right? <laughs> right.
1: So, um, yeah, it, I, I feel like a lot of our staff meetings, you know, with Doc are performance based, but even they reach into the emotional base and how can we uh, help people learn, you know, and missions and visions and what we want. So what's next is, um, boy, pick your poison, right? I, I think as long as we're learning, we're getting better and we're asking questions every day. Because, again, I think I got better today from Luke presenting on neuroscience of exercise. And by means is he no expert? But he's listening to the experts and he's passing the information to us.
2: Let's make our performance lot bigger. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. We're gonna get bigger. We're just we're growth. Bigger, yeah.
1: yeah. It's like it's not always better. It's just the quality, (laughs) right? So are we doing quality quality stuff? Quality and, and size.
0: Well, that's awesome. Well, I really can't thank you guys enough for taking some time out to talk with us today you know the, the work that you guys are doing being able to tie all this together and then everything you're doing with the clinic and how often you share information coach it's it really it helps push all of us and it really drives us all forward and you've uh you've had a huge impact on what I do so I'm really grateful for all you're doing and you too I, uh, same well, to you well thanks it's been fun yeah well thank you guys so much we'll get this up here real quick this is uh it's absolutely fantastic thanks so much for taking the time and, and we'll talk real soon Thank you. All right. You. See ya. And a huge thank you to the research coaching performance team out there in Lawrence, Kansas, Assistant Athletic Director for Sport Performance, Andrea Hoody, and Professor of Health, Sci- Health, Sport, and Exercise Science, Dr. Andy Fry. Guys, you know, sitting there and looking how they collaborate together, how they work together, understanding how it is a give and take, just like any relationship on campus. And you're helping each other to provide each other with what the one needs to in order to develop. I think that there's something really special with what they're doing. I think it's really awesome. Um, and and again, I I have to give a, a second shout out to to Hootie for everything that she does. Um, you know, I've said it multiple times. I I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now if it wasn't for you know sitting there. And juniata and being able to talk with coach Hootie and, and pick her brain and, and just rap with her and understand how this world works and it's um she's had a profound impact on my career so thank you coach for spending the time with us thank you dr fry for spending the time with us it was absolutely fantastic and thank you to both of you for what you're doing for the profession on a continuing education side with the performance clinic you do Uh, And as always, guys, if you enjoyed the talk, please share it in the social media outlet of your choice. Uh, You know, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it may be, shoot it out there. Again, we're just trying to share information, help coaches get better. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys get the opportunity to be out here in Richmond, Virginia this July 15th and 16th for the 2016 edition of the seminar. And we will see you next week, guys, with another awesome guest here on the podcast. Have a great week.